friends, our second lesson is from Mark's Gospel, the second chapter, verses 13 through 22. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and the whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and Jesus said to him, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. And as Jesus sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well, well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? but your disciples do not fast. Jesus said to them, the wedding guests cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them, can they? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken from them and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, it is my prayer and the prayer of all who are here that your Holy Spirit would come. That your Holy Spirit would come and take the words of this sermon and make them only of you. May anything human fall away and may we be left with you speaking into our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to become ordained as a minister in our Presbyterian denomination, it is required that in seminary you learn the original languages that scripture was written in. So I had to learn biblical Hebrew and biblical Greek, and it was by far the hardest thing I had to do. Nothing was more challenging than learning those languages. And every once in a while, there'll be a discussion within the leadership of the church that maybe we shouldn't require people to learn those languages anymore. We're actually one of the last denominations that requires it. And that would make sense because one, there are many great and scholarly translations of the Bible already. Two, there's some really great software that will translate it for you. You can ask me how I know later. 
And three, it is possible to be a really outstanding preacher and pastor without learning those languages. But I had to do it. And so every once in a while, when the conversation comes up about getting rid of the languages, I get really salty, like those old curmudgeons from The Muppet Show who stood up in the balcony and just booed people. I start thinking things like, what, we're just giving these degrees away now? They don't have to do anything. I completely forget the truth, which is that God calls people to ministry and God qualifies them, not Tara and not even some ordination board. And so maybe I should treat this with grace, realizing that God might be doing a new thing. Maybe I should just get out of the way. Jesus is doing a new thing in our scripture today, and there are a lot of people who are as grumpy as I get sometimes. We'll start in the middle. There's this complaint that Jesus and his followers do not fast. People come to Jesus and say, well, John's followers fast and the Pharisees fast. Why aren't you and your followers fasting? Now, fasting was strictly a religious tradition. It was common at this time that people would fast to remember the difficulties that had gone before. For example, the people of Israel would remember when the Babylonians destroyed the temple, and every day at a certain time they would have a fast in order, I'm sorry, every year at a certain time, they would have a fast in order to remember this terrible thing that had happened to them. And so they want to know why Jesus and his followers aren't keeping with religious tradition. And Jesus tries to answer the question by giving them this parable, this story of the wedding party. Now we know that when Jesus came into the world, everything changed. In Jesus, we have God with us. And so Jesus says, well, you know, if there's a wedding, you don't fast when the bridegroom is with you. That's a day for a feast because something wonderful is happening. And in the same way, Jesus wants them to realize that because he is with them, something wonderful is happening. It's not a time to fast. It's a time to feast. And Jesus also goes on to tell them, that something new is happening, that you don't put old wine into new wineskins. When Jesus came into the world, something new was happening. And so something new means that you no longer hold to what was old. But all of this kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's hard for them to understand. But it's important that we realize that when Jesus Christ came into the world, God was doing something new. And in Jesus Christ, what we see is what God's kingdom should look like. When Jesus came into the world, suddenly more people were invited into this religious tradition. In the kingdom, we see that God is widening all the people who are available to get mercy and to get grace. And not everyone is really happy that new people are invited in and that a new thing is happening. And we see this especially in the dinner at Levi's house. Because the problem here is that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now, friends, 
there was no one more reviled in first century culture than the tax collectors. They were responsible for taking money out of people's hands, and they were responsible for giving it to the Roman Empire who oppressed them. These were hugely unpopular people. In the same way, sinners were reviled. Why would Jesus sit at table and eat with them? It's beyond the pale. Not fasting is one thing, but this is worse. But we see Jesus over and over again inviting people in who have always been outsiders, sinners and tax collectors in this case. And let's think about it a minute from Levi's perspective. Levi, who's been hated every time he comes into the community. I imagine every time Levi walks into a room, everyone just shuts up and glares at him. Levi who has been alone, and all of those sinners that people have looked down upon for years, suddenly they're invited to the table. And notice what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus does not say, well, now that I've got you here at dinner, I really want you to stop sinning. Never says it. Never says, you know what, you really shouldn't be a tax collector, Levi. No, what Jesus does is he accepts them as they are and invites them to the table and gives them a feast. That's what the kingdom looks like. In fact, some people say it should really be referred to as a kingdom without the G because in Jesus' kingdom, we're all kin. We're all brothers and sisters and we all have a seat at the table. What is it that Paul says? Surely God shows no partiality. It doesn't matter to God or to Jesus if you sin or if you collect taxes or even if you're righteous. All are invited to the table where they will be fed grace and mercy. So I was listening to an interview with a young woman named Nicole Blue and she was asked, what's your favorite Christmas memory? And she said, well, my, my favorite Christmas memory is from when I was a teenager. You see, I was a, a street kid in San Francisco. I'd run away from home. And I lived on the streets in San Francisco. And on the whole, if you've got to live on the streets, San Francisco is a pretty good place to go. But she said, I remember this one Christmas when I was 14. It was Christmas Eve. And it was bitterly cold unseasonably cold and all of my friends who lived on the street with me they went and hopped a train and went to Las Vegas where it was warmer she said but I was always scared to hop trains and so I just stayed and it was Christmas Eve and I was laying on the sidewalk with my dirty sleeping bag around me and this van pulls up and I knew what was in that van that van was full of sandwich Christians. That's what she called them. It was a van that came to areas where those who were unhoused lived, and it would give them a warm sandwich and a warm bowl of soup. And so she gathers her dirty sleeping bag, and she goes over, and the sandwich Christians feed her. And she said it was the best sandwich she'd ever had. And she was feeling so grateful that when they invited her to church the next day, she surprised herself and said yes. 
She was surprised because she had grown up in a church that didn't welcome her and certainly didn't welcome people like her. And so she said yes because she was so grateful for the sandwich. And so the next day she takes her dirty sleeping bag and she walks up on the steps of the church. And she said she's standing in front of the door and she just stopped. And she thought, I can't go in there. I'm too dirty and I'm too ashamed. And so she takes a step back to leave, but the door opens up and one of those darn sandwich Christians said, come on in here. And they invited her in and she walks in and there are all these banquet tables set up and they give her a seat at the table. And she looks and as far as she can see, there are other unhoused teenagers who are sitting at the tables. And suddenly all of those Christians come and they serve her a lovely Christmas meal. Said it was the best meal she'd ever had. She said they had three desserts and she ate all three. And then afterwards, she noticed something was happening at the front of the room, and she remembers thinking, oh man, here it comes, the sermon. But it wasn't a sermon. The children of the church had presents for her and each of the unhoused people who was there. And she said it was the best meal she'd ever had because they didn't ask anything of her, but they welcomed her. And they treated like her like a beloved child of God. And they gave her a seat at the table. Jesus shows us what the kingdom looks like. And what the kingdom looks like is that anyone is welcome. And that means for you and for me, there are probably going to be some people who are welcome that we don't like. That push all of our buttons that we think shouldn't be here. But make no mistake, for Jesus, all are welcome and all are invited in. So you and I, brothers and sisters, we have a choice. Are we going to be the grumpy old people who talk about everything that's wrong with these new people who are coming in? Or are we going to open the doors of the church and offer everyone the same love and grace that we have been given. It is clear what Jesus wants us to do. We should be a little more like sandwich Christians. Thanks be to God for God's kingdom and love and mercy. Amen.